Hey there, it's Leanne Holke, and I wanted just to share with you a little bit about my India journey today. When I decided to go to India, I hadn't done a lot of advanced planning. Quite literally, I was walking out of a yoga workshop one day, and a woman who owned the studio was talking to the person who had done the workshop, and the person who had done the workshop was convincing her that she needed to go to India. And she said, oh, I'd love to go to India, but I don't want to go alone. So I flung my hair over my shoulder, turned around and said, I'll go with you. At that time, I was a traveling 28 year old with more frequent flyer miles and common sense. And I thought, okay, great, India sounds like a perfect idea. I went into work the next week and I told my boss that I needed a month off because I wanted to go to India to pursue my love of yoga. As you can imagine, they laughed and said, no. I then thought I could rationalize my decision and convince them that if I was pregnant, they would give me time off. And since I wasn't pregnant and still wanted time off, it didn't seem to make sense that just because I was at a different time in my life, that they weren't going to honor my needs. Obviously, that was a dead-end conversation. And even though I promised to make sure my project was taken care of while I was gone and to take time off without pay, ultimately, I was put in a position to either quit my job or not go to India. And for me, going to India felt like my soul calling. It felt like something I had to do, particularly because I wanted to go study with Patabi Joyce, who at the time was in his mid-80s. I knew that I needed to go see the guru before, quite honestly, it was too late. So I took that as my uh, signal to quit my job. I put everything in storage that I owned and left. Now, again, I had more common sense than cash and I didn't have great credit at the time. So I think I had one credit card with a $300 limit. I cashed my last paycheck, took that with me, but quite honestly, it was gonna be tight and I knew that. So I carefully watched my money. I knew I had to pay for the yoga classes a certain amount. The first night I splurged and I stayed in a hotel but after that, I knew I needed to find somewhere cheaper to stay. Fortunately, I ran into some yoga students who told me about a room staying in a house of an Indian family. They would give me one meal a day and lodging. And I thought, wow, that's perfect. That's all I need. I think I paid $44 for the month. And it, and it was some of the best food I've ever had. So I watched my money carefully throughout the whole time there. I would occasionally splurge for a massage at the Southern Star, which was a local hotel that gave fantastic Ayurvedic massages for dirt cheap. I think it was about $7. And then I decided on my way out of town that I had just enough money to upgrade from the local bus, how I arrived in Mysore, to a second class ticket on the train. So I took the train and I arrived back in Bangalore, prepared to make my connection to the airport. However, when I arrived in Bangalore, I got out of the train station and went to find a rickshaw, which is one of those little cart things that zoom through the streets of India. And the rickshaw drivers said, oh, madam, here, come, come, I'll take you. And then they told me how much it was going to be. And I shook my head in disbelief because the amount of money they were quoting me was more than I had. Quite honestly, all I had was a few rupees left. And they told me it was going to be, and I don't recall the exact figure, but that it was going to be however many rupees, 42 rupees. And all I had was maybe 38. 
And they said, well, that's what it is. I said, well, that's ridiculous. That's not what it cost on the way here. Why are you trying to rip me off? So I began to get argumentative, which of course never solves anything. And then it dawned on me. On the way to Mysore, I took the bus. The bus station was closer to the airport than the train station. I didn't have enough money and my flight was leaving in two hours. Knowing I had no more money, knowing I had access to no more money and a credit card that was maxed out, I had no choice but to grab my bag and begin to get resourceful right away. So as I turned, again, in the late 90s, a blonde woman traveling alone in India was still a little bit of a freak show. I began to walk away from the train station and the rickshaw drivers, as I began to leave the chaos of the rickshaw pickup area, looked at me in disbelief. And they said, Madam, where are you going? And I said, I am walking. I have no choice and I have no money. And they shook their head and they said, Madam, get in. And I said, I will give you every last rupee I have, but this is all I have. This is it. And the driver agreed. I emptied out my purse and gave him every last coin I had. But I got to my destination. I got to the airport. And then I went into the Delta Crown Room because I still had my Crown Room membership from all of my travel. And I waited. I waited for the trip that would return me back to the U.S., back where nothing had changed, but I had changed. So my message for you today is to look at where you're stuck. Where is it where you think there's not a possibility and where can you get resourceful? Because for me, being stuck in India, literally without a dime or a rupee, meant I had to get resourceful. It also meant I had to rely on other people, which is not something I'm terribly good at. But I had to accept the kindness of a stranger who was willing to help me. And so often we think we need to go through this world alone. But if you can open yourself up, to the resources and the people who are willing to help you right in front of you, you'll see possibilities you never could before. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you tomorrow.